This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 63 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. We would like to thank our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products. They offer supplements designed to give you the most value for your dollars. Visit them at kppusa.com. Our show planned for today includes Debbie McDonald previewing the U.S. selection trials for us, and Lendon Gray is our guest as part of a new series of inspirational people. I can very clearly remember my sister saying, I think I'm going to go ride, and it hadn't been in my head at all. And so she would get up and run off to the stable, and I immediately said, I want to ride too, I want to ride too. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Debbie McDonald in Gladstone, New Jersey, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Debbie. Welcome back. Well, thank you. It's nice to be back. You have been running around the country since we last spoke to you, as busy as ever. And uh, we've caught up with you in Gladstone, New Jersey. Um, There you are for the U.S. selection trials, which begin this weekend. Uh, You've got two very busy weeks there doing some teaching, and uh, we're going to take advantage of you being right there to give us a preview of what's to come these next two weekends and what that all involves. But before we do, Debbie... Um, I just want to uh, introduce Glenn, who has an announcement for us from the Horse Radio Network. Hi, Glenn. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you here. I I believe you've got some really fun announcements for us, one of which I particularly like being a bit of a geek myself. (laughs) Well, there's lots of good things going on at the Horse Radio Network right now. We thought we'd let all your listeners in on a couple of them. The first one is that Hallway Feeds is a company here in Lexington, Kentucky, a feed company that does lots of cool things. And one of the cool things they did was they had one of the first iPhone applications for the horse world. And what their application does is it provides you a news feed from all the different disciplines. It it really is an aggregate of uh, most of the horse news coming out of the horse world now. And it was a, it's a very good little application. Well, they have now included the Horse Radio Network, and it's become our official iPhone app. So if you downwa- download Hallway Feed's iPhone application, you can actually listen to our show streaming right over your phone connection. So over your, uh, over your wireless or through your, through your phone connection when you're out and about, you can just stream our shows. So now there's two ways to listen on your iPhone. The first way is you can uh, subscribe to the shows through iTunes and download them to your iPhone and listen to them that way. Or the second way is you can stream them through Hallway Feeds application. And all you do is go into the App Store and search for Hallway, H-A-L-L-W-A-Y Feeds, and download their application. You'll see right at the top, the first thing is Horse Radio, and you can listen to all of our shows there. So if you don't got enough of Chris uh, at home or while you're out uh, bopping around on your iPod, you can also listen on your iPhone right there. So that's kind of geeky and kind of neat. Yeah, that's one. I already have it, of course. But having being being an iPhone kind of girl, um, I already have that, and yes. I, I love that I think because you, have you can every just... application in the App Store, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> your, your, your iTunes bill must be a thousand dollars a week. <laughs> no, I go after the free ones, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a second thing too, and this is also kind of geeky. We have many, many listeners, more than we ever thought we would, who listen to all the shows or listen to a good number of them, which is getting more difficult now that we have eight of them. I, barely, I have to review all the shows every week, and I barely have time. But what we did for those people is normally what they'd have to do through iTunes or Zoom is go in and subscribe separately to each show. They would have to subscribe to the Dressage Show and the Eventing Show and Stable Scoop. They'd just have to subscribe to each of them separately to get them downloaded automatically to their iTunes and then to their iPods or iPhones or their Zune or other MP3 player. Well, now we have a master feed, we're calling it, which is all of the shows in one feed. So if you go to horseradionetwork.com, on the left side, you'll see an iTunes button, and you'll see where it says master feed. You can just click on iTunes or Zune there, and then you can download all of the shows, or if you subscribe to that one feed, all of the shows will be downloaded. Every single show we do, and every show we're going to do, all the new ones will also be downloaded through that feed. So that's one way where you can get everything. 
Uh, and then if you, you know, if you only listen to six out of eight of them, you can still just pick and choose what you want to listen to. Maybe there'll be one of the other shows would appeal to you when you look at it and you go, oh, I'll give that a try. Well, that's what that new master feed is for. So that you, you can find at horseradionetwork.com. Just look on the left side for the iTunes and Zoom logos there. And if that wasn't enough, we have a new logo and a new look, and we're very uh, excited about and has been getting a tremendous response on Facebook. It seems like our Facebook fans really like the new logo, and it's cute as a Dickens, too. We've had people, I had people, I was out at the horse park uh, over the weekend, and, and I think you were there with me. We've had people requesting hats and T-shirts and things like that with the logo, so we're going to have to take a look at that as well. Well, I love that new logo, too. Um, I'm glad you mentioned it, Glenn, and it really is very, very sharp, and I think it'll work on a range of merchandise here as we build out the Horse Radio Network, and I know you've got more announcements to come as the year unfolds. We're going to be very busy preparing for WEG, as we're mentioning on all our shows here, and um, not least of all with you with the 2010 radio show and with the jumping, dressage, and eventing radio show. So lots happening, and I know lots planned for after WEG. Um, We're not going to rest much after WEG, are we, Glenn? Now we have something very exciting that we can't announce quite yet, but that is really a first in the horse world. And you know that, uh, Chris, you know me long enough now to know, know that I hate being second at things. So <laughs> I like doing them first and charting the territory, which also brings a lot of headaches when you do things first. But it also is, it's a lot more fun because you're not trying to keep up with anybody. They're all keeping up with you. So that we're very excited about some, some new things that we have coming in the fall. And uh, I, I'm just, it's just thrilling. I want to thank all of your listeners. Uh, the listenership has been rising every month. Now, total for the Horse Radio Network, we're over 40,000 unique listeners for all the shows every month. And that's in 42 different countries. And uh, thank you, Chris, for all of your efforts on, on uh, the three shows that you do. And, uh, you know, the dressage audience, uh, you know, dressage eventing and the jumping audiences are a, a loyal, addicted group. And they love their sports, and they're showing it through the numbers and through the listenership on the shows. And we, we certainly appreciate it. I know you run into people all the time now. You can't go anywhere without them saying, I listen to the show. That's really nice. You know, we get people coming on, as you, as you do too, especially when we're out of the horse park and saying that they listen to this show or that show, and, uh, and they just want to come up and say hello, which is really nice. We really appreciate that, and we do appreciate you listening to more than one show here on the Horse Radio Network. And I want to thank my friend Glenn for coming on and updating us with these, these I love these new tips, you know, especially where they're geekish, and that's why you get your name, Glenn the Geek, right? <laughs> well, there's going to be lots more coming, too. We're, we're always working on new stuff, so, so keep listening. All right, well, terrific. Thanks so much for the update, Glenn. Uh, be safe out there, and uh, we'll catch up with you later. Have fun, Chris. Well, our thanks to Glenn for joining us again. This is very exciting, all the things that are happening here on the Horse Radio Network and more announcements to come as the year unfolds and we get closer to the World Equestrian Games, of course. Um, But before we get to uh, the U.S. selection trials for the World Equestrian Games, I just want to mention one big result this weekend that took place in Europe with the World Dressage Masters Series, the Grand Prix Freestyle there, the Hickstead CDI five-star event in England, beautiful part of the south of England there. Um, that went to, to the Dutch 1-2. They took uh, first and second there. Adeline Cornelinson with uh, Jerick Parsival won that freestyle with 85.65. And second was again uh, Dutch rider Hans-Peter Menderhoud on the mare Equus Nadine who uh, finished on 78.85. And in third place, Britain's Laura Bechtelsheimer doing really well on her second string horse, Andretti H, with a score of 78.25. Uh, well, Debbie, I want to bring you in there because... Uh, the, you know that uh, um, Ed Garland and Tottilus was not there at Hickstead this weekend, but it, it just shows the depth of, and quality of, to the Dutch team with um, Parsifal getting 85.65 on his own. That is so true. I mean, they are definitely, um, I think, pretty hard to beat um, this year. That is, I mean, the quality is unbelievable. And, uh, you know, it's, it is exciting to see horses like, isn't it? <laughs> it? 
it 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 really is you know and you know there there are people that prefer Parsifal's way of going to Totilus and they're very very different in their styles and of course the mare Equus Nadine is different again and the and you know we've got so many good horses there that are performing um, to, with those really impressive scores and that's before uh, we see Raval come head to head with them so uh, you know a lot to look forward to when we get to Weg later in the year Debbie and I want to just mention um Stefan, of course, with uh, Stefan Peters with Ravel, he has been given a buy. He's not having to travel to Gladstone to perform in those selection trials. And explain to our listeners, Debbie, how that came about and why he has been given a buy for this event. Well, it, to be honest, I mean, Ravel is definitely the top horse in our country right now. And um, there, he has nothing to prove. And every time these horses go out, you're taking a risk. And, you know, I think it's a great thing that they put in the selection when we have a horse such as Rizal right now that we preserve him and take good care of him and make sure that he is fit and ready to go for the game. Because we we know Stefan, I mean, we have no better competitor than him. And and he knows what to do. And he knows, and the horse knows what to do. So it's not like he needs the miles. And, and I think he's made a fabulous decision in not bringing the horse here and, um, and then bringing him for just the mandatory quarantine. And that way this horse doesn't have to be here for, you know, six extra five, not really. But, I mean, it ends up being at, at least four to five weeks more than he would have to be if you talk to take into the two weeks of competition plus the week that you're usually here prior. So you're looking at, you're saving this horse a month in the, in the weather conditions as well. I mean, you know, the horses from the West Coast are not used to this humidity and heat. So why make him have to come in here and, and deal with it any more than he has to? Yes, and we should remind everybody, as you said, that Stefan uh, Peters and Ravel, they're based in San Diego in California on the west coast of the states here. And uh, a, a, as you said, a very different climate, uh, Debbie. And New Jersey can be very humid this time of year. And by September, when the, all the horses have to go to uh, Gladstone, New Jersey, for the, as you said, the mandatory quarantine per, uh, um, period but leading up to the games, hopefully the temperatures will have cooled off a little bit and there won't be that intense humidity. Exactly. Absolutely. And that is the, um, that is the, you know, the, the biggest issue right now is that we, um, the horses, there are certain horses that are not used to this type of climate. And then, um, you know, it, it takes a while for them to get used to it. I, you know, was, was talking to you earlier and saying that even, even for myself, the air is so much heavier to breathe, you know, than they're used to. And that is like, you don't realize those little things that it is difficult. It, it, it certainly is. and uh, But for the rest of our um, horse and rider combinations, they're all gathered there at the uh, U.S. Equestrian Team Foundation headquarters in Gladstone, New Jersey, for the two weekends of competition, uh, Debbie. And I believe you've got Sue Blinks there, who's currently ranked number two uh, with uh, Robin Hood, a California-based horse again. Um, one of the favorites, I think, Tina Cognot, who's gone so well with her stallion, Coletto IV, and along with the last year's national champion, Leslie Morse and Tip Top. Um, of course, Tip Top, as we heard from Leslie a few episodes ago, she came on the show and explained how Tip Top had undergone colic surgery and they uh, have made a full recovery and they're back contending for a team slot there. And also uh, in the, amongst the, the group there is uh, Lauren Samus of South Orange with the Sagacious HF and I believe uh, Todd Fletcher's there with Otto. And uh, we shouldn't, of course, leave Adrian to last. Adrian Lyle, your progeny with Wiz- Wizard. I know she's there and uh, keep Keeping a watchful eye on her and Catherine Bates and Chandler, and the very experienced Nartin, who was previously shown, of course, in, in, in under Dutch colours. So uh, let's talk about those combinations, Debbie. Um, uh, is everybody there now uh, as we speak? Are they all, all settled in at, at uh, Gladstone? No, there there is not. No, um, right now the only horses that are here right now, Sue Blanks is here. Um, of course, Adrian's here. Um, Jan Evling is here with his two horses, and uh, Pierre just got here, and um, Susan Chacoma. Okay. And then I think everybody now, starting tomorrow, will start to come in. Okay, so... So uh, uh, we still are pretty light. 
on the on the, the horses that are here yet. PSN Jacks, of course, is our spotlight rider on the uh, 2010 radio show, which is the show that's all about WEG. They've chosen a spotlight rider for all of the disciplines leading up to WEG, and so we're delighted that Pierre has made it through to the selection trials. So, And, and I know Leslie has, has arrived on the East Coast there with Tip Top, but Debbie, how, how is he looking now that he's back uh, and fit and obviously recovered from his uh, setback earlier this year? Um, I just saw him today, and he looks—he looks fabulous. I have to say, um, you know, he's got a, a nice sparkle in his eye, and he—he he looks forward and happy, and it's really lovely to see. I mean, talk about a horse that beat the odds, and then here at the trials this year, what he's been through—I mean, it just shows what kind of a horse he is. And and Leslie's done a fabulous job bringing him back. So I'm very excited for them, and I really am hoping the very best outcome for that combination. That would be a very sweet story, wouldn't it? Uh, um, and I know she also had a bit, bit of bad talk about bad luck with colic. Um, Kingston, her other horse, who of course retired from international competition, but a very successful sire that she uses for a breeding program there at her base in on the west coast. Um, he also had sur- colic surgery recently, didn't he? Yes, I mean, I couldn't believe it when I got a text from Leslie and saying that that had happened. And I just thought, how much can one person take? Um, it was, you know, it was during that terrible, terrible heat wave they were having in California. And um, it just, you know, we had some gas polyps that kind of distended everything and, and got a little bit of a, a displacement. But, I mean, certainly it wasn't, they didn't have to resection or anything like they did with Tip Top, but... Nonetheless, whenever a horse goes under, it's pretty devastating, and there's always those risks involved with the other side of it. So, but he seems to be doing very well, and um, and from what I understand, she left him in the care of that wonderful facility because um, she is here with her top groom. So, she wanted to make sure that he was, you know, definitely taken care of. Absolutely. Well, we wish uh, we wish Kingston well, and we wish Leslie the, uh, the best, of course, with her preparation with Tip Top. Um, so, tell us about the uh, other combinations, and and you've been watching them, Debbie, uh, which is why you are the best placed person to give us a little sneak preview of what to expect this coming weekend. Well, like I said, I am just as excited as anyone to see some of these combinations that I have not seen either in a long time or at all. And, you know, of course, that would be Catherine, um, Catherine Shannon Bateson. Um, that's a new combination that none of us have really seen. She's been over in Europe. That's very exciting. Um, we've got, um, Tina. Again, you know, some of the West Coast horses have not been put in front with the East Coast. So that's what's so exciting about head-to-head competition. And Todd, you know, with his horse. And then you've got Catherine Haddad here with her uh, nice new newer gelding, you know, the younger one. He's not here with Cadillac. Um, and then, uh, you know, you've got, like I said, it really is exciting to get a chance to view all of them head-to-head. And like I said, not very many are here yet, so the next few days are going to be really exciting. And uh, But from the what I've seen here, everybody's looking in top form, so it should be a great competition this weekend. Uh, yeah, a lot to look forward to. And you mentioned Catherine, of course. Catherine Haddad has been a, a, a co-host here on the Dressage Radio Show a few times, and she was very excited to be bringing her young horse, Winimaro, over. And I know they, they uh, arrived safely. Have you seen them working yet, Debbie, since you've been there? No, actually, when I got in the barn this afternoon, um, the horse was in the stall and had arrived, um, has been here for a while at a, at a private facility. And um, and looks really bright-eyed and healthy and great form, beautiful horse to look at. So, um, no, I have not seen them work yet, but very excited to. Now, Sue Blinks, of course, and Robin Hood is a combination that you're very familiar with on the West Coast. And uh, Sue has been on the team before, of course. She's been on the World Equestrian Games team and obviously would be loving to get back on that team. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, that combination and what you've seen of it so far this year, Debbie. Well, I've seen Robin Hood in, um, obviously, in California and has looked quite, quite good. 
um, I must say, she's really done an amazing job with him because he hasn't been an easy horse, you know. He's he's got some of the jazz blood in him, and they can be a little spooky and and difficult and take maybe a little more time. But uh, Sue's always been good at that. You know, you can always count on Sue to take the time is needed to get the horse to the place that they're at. And she has done that. And I'm expecting her to really um, step up and do some wonderful things here. Terrific. And now we mentioned uh, Tina, Tina, who, of course, uh, Tina Conyard has done so well this spring uh, campaigning her stallion Coletto. Um, have you seen them at all this year? Were, were you in, um, I know you were traveling to the East Coast, but did you get down to Florida during that uh, uh, winter season, Debbie, and see them performing? I have not. And that is, an, that is a combination I'm very much looking forward to looking at. Um, I have not seen them ever in person. So this is really going to be uh, something for me to, to get to see. So I'm very excited for that. And the horse, and she is not here yet, and I don't know exactly what day she's planning on arriving, but for sure everybody's got to be here by Thursday. So that's right. when the jog is, and um, there's some that live close enough that they're going to wait a closer to the jog. Right. Well, that makes sense, of course. Stay home as long as they can. And Lawrence Amos um, with um, Sagacious HF, another combination that would be trying to uh, get back, uh, get onto the uh, the team, the the WEG team, and you know really make a mark for the senior ranks here. Beyond, I know she's uh, she's she's been threatening for a long time with this horse. Lovely combination. Um, have you seen her go to this year at all, Debbie? No, and I don't know that anybody has. I mean, he did have some time off. I believe it was uh, muscle or something that he had. Um, nothing very serious, but still, you know, a little time-consuming. And But she did make a trip to Canada and did very well. So I think, um, you know, everybody's excited to see them because we haven't seen a lot of them this year. Okay. And um, we mentioned Todd Todd Fletchrich uh, riding Otto. Of course, he used to be ridden by our friend Heather Blitz here, who uh, produced him in Denmark when she was over there. And and now he's being ridden by Todd Todd Fletchrich. Uh, have you seen them this year? I know they they've really been campaigning hard, haven't they? Yes, they have. And um, I mean, so much credit goes to Heather. That horse is so beautifully trained, and um, I I have not seen them actually in person, but have watched videos. I watched them in Auckland, and I've seen other videos of him. And, um, again, a very, very talented horse. And, you know, in my opinion, there's so many combinations that could step up to the plate here. Um, I don't think that anybody that's here we can really count out or in. I think it's going to be the combinations that are the most brilliant and the cleanest that are going to end up on this team. Well, I know you've been uh, training hard. Uh, your your student there, Adrian Law, with Wizard, and been to Europe. We we had you on the show after you came back from uh, Europe with uh, Adrian, and uh, uh, and after she had made a European debut. And now I know she's all excited. I've, I've I watch her on Facebook. Very excited to be going to Gladstone and uh, and to have a chance to compete for the one of these selection trials. It's it's a big time for these riders, and not least of all the youngsters who've never been there before, Debbie. Absolutely. I mean, everybody hopes in their lifetime they have this opportunity. And, you know, I mean, uh, speaking for Adrian, you know, you've got a horse that's used to, well, he's been in Idaho, which has been very cool, desert kind of atmosphere, I mean, altitude, so not a lot of humidity. And so you try to time, you know, your preparation. You don't take it all out, but then don't leave him too high and, and know that you have enough. The, and it is supposed to get quite hot this weekend. So, um, you know, you just try and hope you find that right combination that makes it all happen, and everybody's in the same boat. But I do think that the West Coast horses do have a little bit of a disadvantage when you come into an altitude, uh, climate like this that they're not quite used to. And, and I also want to talk about the one thing that... that 
you know, when these riders come together, Debbie, and you've been there many times, this is really where the pressure starts, isn't it? When you get to the selection trials, you know, you're, you're blessed that you've got this far and you get an opportunity to compete at Gladstone when the selectors are really focused in on you and your performance here is all, you know, is, is make or break as to whether you actually make it to a national team. And, and so the spotlight's really on you, the pressure's on you. Um, tell us a little bit about what it felt like for you when you when you walked that walk with Brentina in the past. I would say that I was probably the most nervous coming into a selection <laughs> show than ever showing in Europe. Because you're right, it is on. I mean, you have to be you have to be on your game at that certain day, like we do when we make a team and, and we go into competition. But it's different than any other show you ride in, just for the simple fact that you're, you know, everybody has certain expectations for you. And, um, and you, you know, it, a lot rides on your mentality to be able to handle that. And that is a big part of our sport as well. Is the psychological pressure absolutely that how you to control your emotions and the psychology, the mental preparation coming into this kind of pressured event? How did you used to deal with it, Debbie? Well, I mean, I think you know earlier we all had to find our own way. Um, and now they actually are offering a sports psychologist to these riders, which is so long overdue. We're the only sport that hasn't had that support, you know, and um, it's just, I just, you know, the minute I heard about it, I said, hey, Adrian, get on the phone and get that scheduled, because you might think you're a cool competitor, and it's okay now, but down the road when it starts to take its toll on you, and, um, you know, you, as you do well, and then people expect more, the pressure gets a little more, and, and you expect more of yourself and your horse, and you do have to find ways to deal with this. And um, I can't tell you other than I would try to go meditate off in a corner and didn't really let people come talk to me or anything an hour before competition. I tried to get in a zone. And um, I think most writers are that way, but I think the help of the sports psychologist now is going to be nothing but just benefits for these writers now. And there are different ways that people handle this pressure, Debbie. You know, we we were talking to Heather recently. She was giving some advice about how, you know, when you even just get to the warm-up area and you, you know, it the game is really on then and you really have to stay focused and not let uh, any distractions from other riders and, and people around you and, and, and horses, you know, flying around you. You've really got to stay in your zone. And uh, one of the ways is to and just to not look in the eye to anyone else and uh, and maybe use some music to distract you. Uh, I, I think some yeah. people some people do that's, that, don't they? Yeah. Well, and that's very true. I mean, you said it right there. You don't look them in the eye, and they, you don't try to let them intimidate you and take the line that you're trying to ride. I mean, you, you have uh, somebody like Isabel coming full bore at you, and you just, you know, the first time you're in those warm-ups, you go, oh, I better get out of her way. And then finally you sit there and go, Damn it! I'm ready. I'm getting ready for the classroom like her, so I own just as much much of this ring as she does. So, you know, we all have to put our game face on, and we all have to go out there like we own that ring just as much as as the next person. So, that is a big part of the learning to ride in the warm up as well. Yeah, it is your stage uh, just as well as the other players. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be a really exciting couple of weeks, Debbie. I hope uh, that you'll come back in, in, in a couple of weeks' time when it's all over and uh, the the team will be named, I believe, at the end of that. Now, we'll have uh, four named. And how many individuals will be allowed to go forward to this year's games being on our home ground? Um, well, I don't know that we have any individuals. I think we have a team. But they are going to hold eight horses, um, so you'll have the four, and then in through quarantine, they'll hold eight. So um, in case something happens or whatever, because it's a while till the games. And then um, I'm I, I'm not quite sure on the figure if they're taking one alternate or two alternates to Kentucky. Okay. But um, but they are going to hold up to eight horses at the in the mandatory. 
Okay. And what, what is the date of the announcement for those named riders that will be held, uh, Debbie? Do you know offhand? I just, actually, I just saw that written somewhere, and I want to say, I want to say it was like August 20th, but I could be wrong on that. Don't hold me to it. The competition is over on the 15th, but I, I think I read that they're going to actually really, you know, announce the, the team around the 20th. Okay. Terrific. So I'm assuming that that takes into consideration that all the horses are examined and everything after after the selection. Okay. So it takes a few days to get everything in, in line, even though pretty much what you see as far as the, the top four horses would be, you know, one alternate because you have to add Stefan on the team. So... You know what I'm saying? Yes. So the top yeah. three would be the team, and the fourth horse would be the first alternate, then the second alternate, and so on. Right. All right. Well, the pressure is on them all, uh, Debbie. It's going to be really exciting couple of weeks there up in Gladstone, New Jersey. If any of you are in the area and thinking about going along, I think you're going to see the best of the best there gathered to p- compete for a slot on our uh, World Equestrian Games team. And we wish every one of them the very best of luck. And we, we look forward to that naming that team, and we'll bring that to you here on the Dressage Radio Show. But I'm going to take a short break here. Um, before we get to our new series of inspirational people and to hear from our friends over at Kentucky Performance Products, so don't go away. Joint Armor from KPP provides your horse with the building blocks necessary to maintain healthy joints throughout his lifetime. Kentucky Performance Products Quality Assurance provides you with the confidence that you are purchasing a safe, high-quality product. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. Joint Armor is concentrated and affordable. One jar lasts a whole 75 days. Joint Armor helps maintain fluid motion and flexibility in your horse's joints. It also supports normal cartilage development and reduces joint deterioration. Learn more about Joint Armor from Kentucky Performance Products and all their other terrific products at KPP. USA.com. That's KPPUSA.com. Well, as I said, we are beginning a brand new series here on the Dressage Radio Show of inspirational people. And uh, what better person to begin this series than Lyndon Gray? Lyndon Gray was born and raised in Maine, where her companionship with horses began as a toddler. As she grew up, her riding diversified to western, hunt seat, bareback, gymkhana games and driving. From the age of seven, the Pony Club captivated her, and she successfully competed at national level, winning both champion and reserve at U.S. and Canadian Pony Club rallies. At 16, she became an A-rated Pony Clubber, and from there, her career took off. She was a successful event rider and trained with the Olympic three-day event team. Once she turned her attention to dressage, her popular partnership with Seldom Seen launched her into a new limelight, as they became national champions at many levels. Lendon represented the U.S. in the 1980 and 1988 Olympic Games, World Championships and the World Cup. She was awarded the Congressional Gold Medal Award, which is the U.S. House of Representatives' highest civilian award. In 1989, she received the Governor's Award from Maine Sports Hall of Fame. She was recognized as a U.S. Pony Club legend in 2004 and inducted into the Sweetbriar College Sports Hall of Fame in 2006. Lendon has served as President and CEO of the Dressage Foundation and played an active role with several other national organizations, including the United States Equestrian Team, U.S. Equestrian Federation, U.S. Dressage Federation, and U.S. Pony Club. In 1999, Lendon established the annual Youth Dressage Festival, and from there she formed Dressage for Kids, which awards scholarships across the sport and promotes Lendon's philosophy of levelling the playing field for access to dressage. Lendon is warmly regarded as generous, modest, down-to-earth and outspoken, with a kind sense of humour. Well, Lendon, welcome to Inspirational People. Thank you very much. It's a delight to have you on, and I know many people in the dressage world and way beyond consider you an inspirational horsewoman and generally inspirational person. Uh, But I want to begin, if we can, 
Lyndon, we're talking a little bit about uh, how you were prepared for life, about your family and the values that they bestowed upon you and prepared you for life. Well, I had two amazing parents. My mother was the horsewoman and very, very supportive. I'm also the youngest of four kids, so by the time I came along, I was the one that just tagged along that what, what was that? Tag, tag along to whatever was going on anyway. Um, but my older sister, Marshall, was the rider in the family. She was the one that was really into riding, and uh, I did anything she wanted to do. I truly think I wouldn't have been a rider without her starting. And, you know, again, whatever she did, I wanted to do. That was the beginning of, of my life very much was annoying my older sister because I tagged along with her all the time. And what kind of age were you when you started to mimic your sister and know that you wanted to follow in her footsteps? Well, I was put on a horse before I could walk in front of my mother on, on the family horse. And my mother started a pony club when I was seven, so my sister was 10. And pony club paid a huge part of our life. You know, I can't say I specifically remember well, I can remember very clearly, and I don't know what age I was, but I was very young, playing in the living room of our house, and my, we kept the, the pony that we had for the all of us kids rode in the backyard, and I can very clearly remember my sister saying, I think I'm going to go ride, and it hadn't been in my head at all, and so she would get up and run off to the stable, and I immediately said, I want to ride too, I want to ride too. And I can remember running out to the stable behind her, and of course she was much faster than I was. And I can very clearly picture, I can't remember anything else from that period, standing in the middle of our stable, having a little tantrum because we had to share this pony and she wouldn't let me ride. And I can very clearly remember hearing myself saying, I want to ride, won't let me ride. <laughs> that sort of thing. And that's really how my riding got going until uh, my parents realized that we really needed to have something else so that we didn't have to share the exact same pony. Well, you grew up in, in New England, in, in Maine, and you actually got riding Western and Hunt's Seat and Bareback, and you really did a little bit of everything before you got involved with Pony Club and really made a, a mark for yourself in Pony Club. But tell us a little bit about how your family reacted to that since you were making your own way now in the horse world and making your own stamp and not being in the shadow of your sister. Well, first of all, I am extremely grateful that I had that background of doing everything and having the horse in the backyard and riding bareback all winter in order to stay warm and, as you say, doing western and driving and jumping and and everything. And until the pony, I got to an age where Pony Club kind of took over, I think that background was a fantastic base for everything that I did. And again, you know, following along with my sister through Pony Club, you know, everything I did, she had already done <laughs> um, until I was old enough for me to do it. And up until, you know, we both became a Pony Clubbers at a young age. We both were successful eventers up to the point where she was chosen by Jack Legoff, our Olympic three-day coach, to become his assistant, stable manager and assistant. And I continued eventing and was invited to train with Jack, with my sister overseeing the stable and the, the riding at that time. And then as it happened, 10 years of her life went to recovering from an illness that no one could figure out. And I went and took over her job for six months when we still thought she was going to recover quickly. And then from there, you know, I moved on to my own little thing and at 28, found my way to the dressage. She continued with interest in venting, and when she did finally recover, she did go back to a little bit of a venting. Well, despite your illustrious career with horses, you also managed to combine a very sound educational foundation to life, graduating valedictorian from Fox Hollow School. You studied Greek and Latin and also took summer courses in archaeology at Stanford. So you have a very well-rounded academic career, Lendon. So who would you say that which of your teachers have most influenced your life? Probably a Latin teacher that I had. Uh, actually, he taught both Greek and Latin in college, who helped me to continue the love I had for, for ancient history and all that went along with it. And at that time, I knew I was going to be 
in riding professionally in some way. I was already, you know, teaching and training professionally. But, you know, he, he became actually a good friend, he and his family, and, you know, just sort of gave me a haven away from the horses because I was riding while I was in college. And I am so incredibly grateful to that. And even though I've, I've not used my degree in Greek and Latin specifically, since I left college, I am so grateful for that time to mature and to learn to study and to give myself a, as I said, a little haven away from the horses, something that gave me a chance to not think horse all the time. Who would you say today inspires you and has inspired you the most? Well, as I was getting into dressage, and even before that, I have to say, but particularly as I got into dressage, Hilda Gurney was my idol, and still is. You know, I was a kid from Maine without money to pursue a major career, and, you know, there was Hilda Gurney making an Olympic team as, you know, from the U.S. at a time when everybody that made an Olympic team was training in Europe full-time on an American thoroughbred and did the pony club, and, and I went out to California once and to do a pony club clinic. I, I was still in my early 20s. And it was a club that Hilda was attached to in some way. And it impressed me so much that here I was, I was just, you know, I was an A-pony clubber doing some pony club clinic. And there was my idol, Hilda Gurney, handing out sandwiches at lunch. And I just thought that was so fantastic that, you know, this you know, person that I put on such a pedestal, was doing the mundane things that the other volunteers were doing. And, and I think that probably, I mean, that stuck so strongly in, in my brain that that's probably been, been a little bit of what's helped me go in the direction that I've ended up going in. Well, as we all know, uh, with uh, your 14 two-and-a-half-hand pony or, or little horse, <laughs> seldom seen, you became a national champion and one was very, very successful as a partnership with him, um, and then rode warm bloods to and um, prepared those for two Olympic Games, World Championships, and, and World Cups. But of all your achievements, Lyndon, which are you most proud of? Well, there's probably two horses I'm most proud of. Early on, an Arabian stallion was brought to me, and probably now he could have been diagnosed with something, but he had a neurological problem and they didn't think he was going to survive as a young horse, and he did, and someone was able to break him, and the owner came to me and said, you know, it appears he can be ridden, and would you be willing? And, and when this little horse came off the trailer, he truly had control problems of his hind end. I mean, I was amazed that he could be ridden. And to make a long story short, I had that horse a little over a year, and through my understanding of dressage, work and what the exercises could accomplish he became an extremely rideable horse he was able to do all of the lateral work in the trot he did quite a bit of canter work and a little even a little piaf and passage and it was such a thrill to me to take something that was sort of useless if you want to call it as as a riding horse and make him very rideable and enjoy his work and make it so that his owner could take him home and have a really wonderful time. Never took him in a show. My other, the one that I that definitely holds the largest warm spot in my heart is, as you mentioned, seldom seen my first of the first of my two barely horse dressage horses. And I was just becoming a well known rider when seldom seen came into my life. And I cannot tell you at that time the incredible pressure for me not to train him, how many top people came to me and said, you shouldn't be riding this little horse. He's going to ruin your reputation. You know, it's a bad picture for people to see. You shouldn't be doing it. Thank God I was working with Michael Poulin, who believed in me, and as I do, believed in training anything to make it better. And to take at a time when everyone, anyone that was anyone was importing European horses. This was, you know, this was early on, 1977 through the early 80s that I rode him. And he became 
at the time and for a long time after. I honestly have never kept track of it. He won more national championships than any other horse. He had national championships from third level all the way through Grand Prix in the freestyles and so forth. And he beat at one time or another every top horse in the country. And he became such an inspiration. And I still have people that I run into who say they saw me on Seldom Scene, you know, 20, 30 years ago, and how, what a boost it gave them to see, you know, an average horse out there competing successfully against the big, fancy, expensive European horses. And I believe so much that dressage is for any horse, and dressage is just simply taking your horse and making him the best that he can be. And that I was able to take Seldom Scene with Mike's help, absolutely, because... Seldom seen was the first Grand Prix horse I trained myself from scratch um, to take him and, and make him such a really successful horse. And I'm still very, very proud of that. Much more, really, than the two horses I took to the Olympics and World Cup, etc. Well, I think we may know the answer to this, Lyndon, but what gives you goosebumps? <laughs> Seeing a horse that's any horse, he can have polka dots and three and a quarter legs, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> who, who is well-trained and enjoying his work. I love that. And it can be with a six-year-old kid or a 90-year-old adult or at the Olympic Games. Training that the horse enjoys. What upsets you, Lyndon? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, what upsets me probably the most, and you've not given me a chance to really think about this, is seeing in the riding world, is seeing horses being asked, being asked, required, forced to perform when they don't understand or to perform what they're not capable of. So what I'm saying is riders who aren't understanding their horses and understanding that, that they need our help and our support and not our force. Does that make sense? It, it does. And knowing how you are valued in the horse world as a teacher, a coach, and a friend uh, to horses and people alike, what would you say yourself, Lyndon, would be your greatest strengths and weaknesses? <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, weaknesses I can come up to uh, more quickly. I, uh, I have very little patience with those who think they want to be top riders or successful riders who aren't willing to put in the time and the focus and the, don't have the real determination to follow through. Having said that, I think riding should be fun, and I have total respect for those who say, you know, I don't really want to be a big fancy rider. I just want to ride. I just want to enjoy my horse. And as long as you're safe and the horse is comfortable, I am up behind you 100%. But those who claim they want to do more and will not make it fair to the horse by being the best they can be, I don't have much patience for that. So I can be very, very impatient. I've learned to control it as I've gotten older but that's where my impatience come from. I don't know what my greatest strengths are. I can be a little tunnel visioned, which can be a plus and a minus. I perhaps, I don't know if it's my strength, but what I feel I have to offer, and it's not from an inborn desire for this, but by filling the void, which is to be willing to spend the time and fight for the, the development of youth so that they can get the enjoyment out of the sport that I've gotten since I can no longer ride and to continue to encourage those that don't have the fancy horses. I hate the fact that this sport could become a sport, an activity only for the really good top dressage horses. So I certainly have a strong determination in that area. That leads me to my next question, Lyndon. What do you feel you most value in life now, where you are at this present time? I value tremendously patience 
I value tremendously a sense of compassion, but perhaps, you know, a partnership between most specifically horse rider and teacher, that they're all, you know, that there's a teamwork. I value tremendously teamwork as I say, with the horse rider trainer and as well as those a little more on the outskirts, but also teamwork and people that are working towards the same goal, that we're working as a group. I'm I'm not big on one person, you know, feeling that they're doing everything. I I want to see people working together towards the same goals that, that we talk about and really putting your money where your mouth is. Not your money, but your time and energy where your mouth is. I respect that tremendously. How do you overcome adversity? I try to put it behind me as quickly as I can. It's over, it's done, and let's move on and make lemonade out of the lemons that we perhaps have been handed. And who would you say is your biggest supporter in life now? Now at this time, with my parents gone, I I couldn't pick out one person. I have a group of people that I with whom I work, who are so supportive in so many you know each in their own way and many different ways. I would be uncomfortable picking out one person. You mentioned Lyndon that you lost your parents, and as we get older, there well, there are losses that affect us in life. And but have you endured a loss that has taught you a life lesson? I don't think so. I probably should be able to say yes, but I don't think so. <laughs> well, of course, you've channeled a lot of your time and energy on youth now, Lendon, having established the Youth Dressage Festival and the Dressage for Kids, the festival that you hold annually, and you've invested a lot of time and dedication to the advancement of youth in this country, and you're well known for it. So tell us what motivates you to invest so much in youth. I think the thing that motivates me the most is the fact that other people aren't doing it. And, and there are, oh, I mean, I don't mean in any way to sound like I'm the only person doing it, but but I have the time, I guess, I have the energy, and others do it in their in their own way, and for whatever reason, I've kind of been the person that, that's gotten attention for it because perhaps of Dressage for Kids and the Youth Dressage Festival but, you know, I work within USDF and USEF in their various youth activities. Someone's got to do it, and if someone would like to step forward and take on all the things I've taken on, I'd be happy to move to Maine and live on a, in the woods in a, in a log cabin. <laughs> <laughs> well, that leads me to my next question, Lyndon. When you're not with horses, uh, what entertains you and makes you laugh? <laughs> I read. That's probably the my the one thing I miss the most. I don't have enough time to read. And I'll be the first to say, you know, at the end of some days, the only thing I, I can think about is I want to sit in front of the TV and watch something stupid <laughs> and uh, to distract me. It doesn't have to be stupid, stupid, but not too thought-provoking. That's where, you know, I live alone. Well, I live alone except when I have, at this instant that we're talking, I have... Uh, six young people living with me and that varies sometimes I am alone that's where where I head does anything intimidate you oh there are lots of people that intimidate me <laughs> try not to be too confrontational and I I tend to uh, avoid that type of thing I just sort of keep trundling forward I guess is my approach do you have a constant source of joy Lyndon the work that I do Otherwise, I, I couldn't do it, no matter how committed I might be to it. You know, when I see particularly some of the kids that I've helped and brought along and see them being successful, it's such a treat. And, and now I'm old enough that I'm even seeing some some that I was helping when they were children, and now I'm seeing their own children. So my, my, my grand, my, those are my grandchildren um, out there riding. Uh, what a thrill that is. I just love it. Absolutely love it. Well, at the end of the day, 
Glendon, what actually matters most to you? What do you feel you give and what you get? And when you close your door at night, what is that sense of what's actually mattered to you? I think very much that did we take a step forward uh, without, without, uh, and whatever it is that, that I'm working on or working with others doing, without uh, closing a door to anyone. I don't ever want to, to uh, in our effort to move forward, to close a door in anyone else's face. Uh, let's all move forward together. Well, you mentioned that you enjoy reading. Um, tell us what books you're reading right now. What's on your nightstand, Lyndon? Well, right, right at this moment, I'm uh, reading The Help, um, whose author has gone totally out of my head. Um, but I'm, I'm, and and this is a little bit that way. My my favorites are are historical fiction. Uh, I can learn a little bit while being entertained. I guess that's that's uh, what I look for in a book. Well, do you do you have a life motto that's helped you with your career and with life in general? Are there any historians out there that um, you have, have quoted from that feel that you you know that that would be your motto in life? London. I don't think I can say say one person or one thing. Um, again, I know there are people that have their life so organized that they do have that type of thing. I I'm much more from moment to moment to moment um, what I need at that moment. Well, Lyndon, it's been a joy to spe spend this half an hour with you, learning more about the Lyndon Gray that is so loved in the horse world and truly belongs in our roster, roster of inspirational people. Thank you so much for being with us, Lyndon. You're very welcome. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, our thanks again to Lyndon for joining us here on this series. And uh, I should point out that this series of Inspirational People is running over all of my shows on eventing and jumping as well. We're picking people who we found to be inspirational uh, as horsemen and women. And uh, after uh, we've got a few of those together, once the series gets underway, we will be putting those together in a separate uh, podcast for you so you can subscribe to that separately. Well, Debbie, just to go back to our selection here, as everybody gets ready to perform, and you know we we've got a few weeks in, they've got a few weeks in the heat, but once they've competed there at the selection trials, they get to go home again, do they? Before they can have to go back into quarantine. They actually do, but then again, you have to understand that the, that if any of the horses that are on that make the team are on from the west coast, that would that would mean another flight for them. So most of the West Coast horses, I think, will end up staying if they make it to the team than then to go home and risk the horse and fly back to the not to mention the money it would cost to do that. Right. So, but yes, but you, you, there is no, it, it doesn't start now in right after the competition. So some people do have the ability to go home and resume their life and stay at their home and, Absolutely. Well, what's in store for you, Debbie? Now between between now and the games, and you you spend a lot of time now with developing riders and with clinics, and you know we've talked about that in the past. And but this has got to be a very interesting period for you because, of course, you'll be watching Adrian and cheering her on. And I know you said you get nervous on the sidelines watching her too. So, what what will be your role over the next few weeks? Well, I mean, I'm here and I'm coaching a few riders, so. Um and that's actually good for me to stay a little busy. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I just, um, I will, I'm going to stay pretty busy while I'm here. I will stay the remainder of the two weeks um, and then plan to fly home and uh, right after the second, you know, show. And then, uh, you know, who knows what's in store for that after that. Um, my next, you know, thing is going to be, we're, you know, we've got to seriously now start thinking about the Pan-American game and the Pan-American team. So that will be, um, you know, that will be very much in my mind for um, next year coming up. We have to try to really put a strong team together for that. Absolutely. And, uh, so, well, it's yeah. it, no time at all, is it, from... from you know, preparing for one major competition with the cycle being that it is, you know, we've always got another one to plan for. 
That's right. Uh, absolutely, you know, and and it everyone is important. So it's it's something you do once you once you're done with one, you go right to the next. So <laughs> um, it's a process always, and and that's what keeps us all excited and jumping forward to the next to the next page of our book. Absolutely, that's what keeps us going, and and I know a, a busy a busy few weeks for you, though, Debbie. Will you be coming to Weg anyway? Do you have other responsibilities at Weg? Will we see you over here? You know, I think that I can't even answer that. I do not have plans on going, but then if it, I was to have a student that makes it, then chances are yes, I would end up going. So you know. Um, I don't, I don't have that answer at this moment. <laughs> All right. Other well, than I do not plan on going. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll circle back around in, in, a, in about a, in a few weeks' time and uh, before the end of the month and uh, see what's in store for you. Well, I want to thank right. you. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Debbie, uh, from Gladstone. We wish you the best of luck with all your students that you're teaching up there and uh, hope you can stay cool in the heat and humidity that uh, blankets New Jersey at this time of the year. Have a great show. Have lots of fun. And, you know, there'll be some drinking time as well, won't there? Oh, you bet. (laughs) (laughs) You can bet bet on that one. (laughs) All right. Well, I want to remind all of you that um, our WEG coverage uh, this year will be from the Kentucky Horse Park. will be uh, recorded live on stage in the Old Tech Pavilion. We will be bringing you daily shows of the dressage competition from the World Equestrian Games. I'm delighted to, to be able to do that, and we will have some great guests with us. And I know if Debbie's in the park, we will certainly have her on the show too. Yeah, I know you how much you enjoy having Debbie on the show, as we do. I want to remind you all um, that if you want to follow us on uh, Facebook, you can go to our our fan page and don't forget our show notes are on dressageradio.com you can also follow us on twitter at horse radio and chris e stafford if you want to contact us with any comments questions or suggestions love to hear from you just drop me a line chris at horseradio.com or you can leave us a voicemail 270-803-0025 i want to thank our sponsors as always for making this show possible and our backstage crew for bringing the show to you each week and don't forget to check out all the other shows on the horse radio network Work. I want to thank uh, my friend Debbie McDonald uh, joining us this week from Gladstone, New Jersey. Debbie, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, it's my pleasure always, Chris. It's, it's wonderful. I really enjoy being part of it. All right. Well, we will see you soon. Stay cool. And don't forget, to, I'll be back here same time, same place next week. So until then, thanks to all of you around the world for listening to the Dressage Radio Show. And don't forget to practice safe riding by always wearing your helmet and fastening your chin strap. 